focusing on prayer and how many know that prayer is the answer to every need in our life and uh, learning to pray more and press in more and uh, like I said last Tuesday night if you really look at it and I, I still believe this we're going to burst something here over these next few months and through the rest of this year that's going to ignite something in our church going to ignite something in our community and uh, um, I'm going to be setting something up, and maybe you want to go down, but one of these weeks I'm going to go down to uh, Modesto and uh, be with, for years I wanted to go to uh, back, back to uh, uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle back there. They have prayer on Tuesday night. They have a prayer meeting on Tuesday night, and it's attended by over 4,000 people. Prayer meeting attended by over 4,000 people every week, every week. And, and people have just found out the truth about prayer. And while they're praying, they have people there in downtown New York and Brooklyn. they just walking off the streets, drug addicts and prostitutes, and get saved right in the middle of the prayer service. Just walk up the altar and give their lives to the Lord in the middle of the prayer service. Amen. And so they're just, they're just praying. The church is coming together and praying and believing in corporate prayer. And uh, if you're reading the book of Acts, I remember when Peter was in jail and the church was praying for him. And then the angel goes to jail, lets Peter down, leads him out. And then Peter goes and knocks on the door of the house where the church is praying. They're having a home group. They're in there praying for Peter. Peter knocks on the door. A girl comes down and says, hey, sees Peter at the door and goes, hey, we were just praying for you. No kind of goes, She goes, wow. You know, she, and so then she's surprised by the answer because they're praying for Peter. He gets let out. He's there at the door. And she runs back up. Hey, we're praying. He's at the door. Amen. So what happens is when we find out that this really does work, it changes everything. Amen. And so there and then uh, Pastor Glenn Berto, he was sharing uh, last weekend uh, that uh, they started launching their they, they changed at Modesto, the house down in Modesto. And uh, they just started looking like us. And so just had a desire. We need to do something about prayer. But they started realizing on Sunday morning, there's never enough time to pray for people. Because people, Donnie's here. Donnie goes, man, I want to pray for people. So you pray. And then you give the altar call. And you share what the Lord gives you to pray. And then people are going, okay, well, it's like 12, 20. I got to get out of here, man. I have to. And so people get in a rush. So you just don't have time to pray. And then people don't want to stay in church for two hours for whatever reason. I don't know. I think you got to stay there for 18 hours. It'd be good for us. But anyway, but people, I mean, the time factor always shuts people off. But when you give another night, so on Monday night, they said, this is what we're going to do is we're going to give Monday nights and make it an extended altar time. So that during our service on Monday night, and Monday night's just prayer and stuff, so that you have worship and prayer and that. And that's really where I'm believing this will go, is that we'll just continue more and more. We'll just teach a little exhortation on why we pray, what happens when we pray, what Jesus said about prayer, and what the Father promised about prayer. And then we're just going to pray. Amen? On Tuesday nights, yeah. Yeah, we're not going to, yeah, anyway, anyway. But, uh, Huh? We're adding another night. We're going to go to Monday night. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. No. It, uh, but uh, in that, um, but just believing God with that. And uh, at the house of Modesto, they average about 1,000 people every Monday night for prayer. And their church is about 8,000 people. But they still have, out of 8,000 people, they still have 1,000 people coming. Anytime you can get 1,000 people to come to church to pray, something's happening. Amen. And so, but what happens is, is that when we really find out God really answers prayer, 
it, it's dynamic, and so it's explosive. So that's where our faith is. And so he, uh, Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, And it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, when he quit praying, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Father, I thank you tonight that it is your heart, it is your will, that we as your children would know and would have the confidence that we can come before you and ask and receive from you that you are truly a good father that you love us and that you desire for us to approach you to ask and to receive from you and it is your heart and your desire to give us the kingdom so we give you praise tonight in jesus name thank you for teaching us how to pray in jesus name everybody said Amen. So just say this again with me. Read this little confession I put on here again and just let it get down inside of you. Father, today I can declare with confidence assurance that my Father knows me, hears me, and loves me with an everlasting love. Today I choose to walk in the confidence that comes from knowing that the Father, uh, what the Father has for me that he has set his desire upon me and that I am the object of his love every moment of every day and every season and through every circumstance of my life. His mercy covers me, his grace provides for me, and his love directs my steps every day of my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so if we get that, if this really begins to go off on the inside of us, then it will help you. It's just like that little exhortation I gave you at the beginning. If we get it, when stuff rises up, because I look at people and, and things happen, and it's easy to get discouraged when, you know, I've been serving God for a season, for a long time, and even for a year, and it seems like, well, what's happening? Well, God's always trying to take us to a higher level and, and to a greater and a deeper understanding and relationship and a walk with Him, and it's the same thing. He said, well, we just have to deal with these things. If you can let me scrape this off of your life, you'll let me bring to the surface and show it to you and allow me to remove it. How I many know oh, God never exposes anything unless He wants to heal or to make provision? God never exposes to shame us. Just like Donnie shared Sunday morning, that the Father went out and covered the Son. He didn't look to shame the Son, He worked to cover the Son. So when God is bringing things to the surface in our life, He's not trying to show us how bad we are, He's trying to get to the good that's inside of us. He knows how good we are, He knows what He's put inside of us, and He's trying to get us to agree with that, and He's just trying to get all that other stuff out of us. Are you with me? And a lot of it goes, I mean, there's a lot of stuff we think about. We have things that go all the way back. And Don and I are talking about some situations. They're, they're, they're saying there's violations of things that happen. There are things that are, that are transferred to us. There's generational things that happen. There are things that happen in our childhood. There's generational things that are handed down. And those things get in us and, and things we're not really aware of. And then God wants to get us completely free. Come on, those who the sun set free are free indeed. Amen. Not just partially free, but completely free. What you really free sounds good to me. Amen. That'd be a good T-shirt. Really free sounds good to me. Amen. Hallelujah. I was with. Uh, I was teasing. Uh, uh, I was talking to Ray and Jenny, but uh, we have uh, for years we've been. Uh, when, when we first went in the ministry in 1981. Uh, Pastor Doug, our friend, went up to uh, Grass Valley and was a youth pastor in Grass Valley for a year. And then he, uh, in 1983, he went back to Ramah 
and or he was up there at Grass Valley for two years, and then he decided to go back to Rama and was back there, and so and then through his first. Uh, after his first year in the summer of 84, he called me up and said, Don, we've been back there. I said, well, come on out. We'll have a meeting. We were, we just finished our first year as a senior, senior pastor there in Bieber, and that's, we had this great meeting. And so since that time, we've been connecting. And when Doug came down, came here, and then we came here, and we've been friends all these years, well, then we've been in fellowship with a lot of the Rhema churches and Rhema graduates and these guys around. And so over the years now, for almost 30 years, we've been friends with all these guys. And uh, so our, our friends, Fred and Cindy Benzel, who pastor uh, Grace Life Church in uh, Lincoln, They've, uh, they, they've been pushing, so they've made us honorary Rama members. So it's kind of fun. So last night we're over there, and there's 30 pastors, and we're hanging out together, having a great time together and stuff, and a fellowship. And now I forgot why I'm sharing this with you. Amen. But uh, getting back to our lesson. Wow, that's really weird. I hate that. I just had a senior moment. My brain went left side. Amen. But uh, so just hanging out and fellowshipping with them, and it was a good thing. So we had great fellowship. And I was going to share something about a testimony there and something that happened there. Hmm? I will remember. It'll come back to me like and wake me up. Huh? 12 o'clock tonight. Yeah, I'll call Joe up and tell him what it was. <laughs> Amen. Huh? No. I did, huh? I still have no idea what you're talking about. It's crazy. <laughs> All the time. Rewind the tape. Let me hear where I was, man. It's weird. That's so weird. It's weird. On Facebook? No. No, it wasn't that. I was trying to remember why. Well, yeah, I know that, but it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was, it was another issue. That's just so weird. That's weird. Well, Rhema is, uh, Rhema is uh, 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 Rhema Bible School with Brother Kenneth Hagin and stuff. And so uh, people hear Word of Faith are doing that, but it is just different ministers and that. But we so the whole thing is they just invite us in, so we're just being in fellowship with them and hanging out with them. And uh, uh, well, just out, I'll share one testimony. It's kind of cool. Uh, I'm kind of talking about the dross and stuff and thinking about getting saved. And we were, all, they all asked us how, you know, give your testimony. We went around and asked different people about how do you know you were called and when did you realize you were called. So different people were sharing. And uh, many times, even for our kids, and this was Pastor, one pastor, Pastor Dan, and uh, his, his wife, Claire, uh, Carly, and that. And uh, they, uh, it was funny because his name Pastor Dan, he's a Hispanic guy, and so he, uh, Pastor Ray from Southern California called him Carlos. Well, look around. Who's Carlos? You know, <laughs> that's, that's great. So we we're talking about that. But anyway, Dan uh, started to share his testimony. But he, his parents, and, and he knew that he had a call of God on his life as a young kid. His parents were pastors and stuff. And uh, but he saw what happened in the church and he watched his parents and he just got a bitter attitude to where towards the ministry and stuff from what he saw growing up. 
And so then he just ran and got involved in gangs and drugs. And he said, and then he was raised up, you know, that if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, so this whole life comes to this point where he's driving down the 605 in Los Angeles, and he's driving his car, and he opens the moonroof up, and he's just shouting at God. He's cussing God out. I hate you. I'm never going to serve you. I just want to die and go to hell and serve Satan. He goes, I'm flipping off God. And besides that, just in case you really think I'm flip off your mother Mary too. And he do, I mean, he's going, he's going post. I mean, just doing all this stuff. And I'm and besides that, I blasphemed the Holy Spirit and everything else. And then he goes, and then I and, and then I sat down in the car and I couldn't drive, and the car's locked in. And so you see, he's standing up in the moonroof doing this. And the car's going straight down the freeway. And he goes, I don't know what happened. So then I end up at my, I just miraculously, I end up at my house. I don't know how that I end up at my house. And then I go in the house and I turn on the TV and then it's like Christian TV's on there and Benny Hinn's on there preaching. I'm going, who's this idiot that got ran over by a lawnmower back when Benny Hinn had, the, had his hair shaved on one side kind of thing. And Moto said, it looks like a guy run over by the lawnmower. And so Benny's preaching and then and, and he's, he says, I'm talking to Benny and I'm shouting back at him and doing all this stuff. And then he's going, there's a young man right now that's watching me. He goes, I'm thinking there's millions of young men watching me, thousands you're on TV, man. What do you mean? So, so he says, I'm talking to this guy. It was great. But, I mean, he was gone. I mean, he was just, just think about that. You get so far gone, you're praying for your kid, and, you're thinking, and, and he is literally, he's in gangs, he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff, he's violent, he's destructive, and he's at the place that he's literally throwing F-bombs at God, flipping God off, calling, you know, everything he can think of just to violate his faith and his relationship with God. And then God miraculously steers his car, gets him home, and then he's sitting on the couch, and that night, Brother Ben says, no, there's a young man. And right now, and just begins to read his mail. And he's going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And he's just going, he's just wrestling with all this stuff. And he goes, if you'll just say yes, God will deliver you. And then they get to the end of their time. Benny's supposed to go off the air. And he goes, we, we can't go off the air. God is dealing with this young man. And we're going to stay on. Young man, if you'll just say yes. And so they kept going. And, 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 and finally he goes, and, and I'm just fighting this, all these spirits. And he says he had invited demons. He had been messing. And he knew he was demon. He literally knew he was demon was there. And so then he goes, and I said, finally I said, yes. He says, when I did, there was just this flow. He said it felt like a movie where you just see all these spirits come out. And you could just sense all this stuff coming out. And then when the last one was gone, he says, the next thing you know, I'm up and I'm dancing and I'm rejoicing and I'm free. And then Benny Hinn steps up and goes, he said yes. <laughs> and they went off the air. <laughs> it was crazy. We're all going, oh, that's a cool testimony. Amen. But in that, think about that. Because sometimes we get discouraged and we look at our kids, we look at somebody, we say, man, look at where they are. They're so far gone. But God, and then this young man, so then he is, and, and, and then he's four months away from being married, this young girl. And he, goes, he calls her up, he goes, wait a minute, I'm called of God. I can't go, I can't marry you anymore. I'm at, she goes, it doesn't happen immediately. He goes, it just happened. I know I'm called. I know this relationship isn't right. And he heads off and he goes to Bible school. I mean, crazy stuff. Amen. 
Just miraculously, because God, it's like Donnie said Sunday morning, and we've been trying to say with this on the Father and getting to this, is that God loves us. And if we ever understand the love of the Father, that God is not giving up on that. So think about you and I. We're working, like I said earlier, we have all this stuff in us, and God, we get discouraged about little things. But if God wouldn't let go of that young man, when he's literally cussing God out to his face, asking to die and go to hell. I mean, he's standing up trying to commit suicide on the 605. To die. And God spares him because of the call upon his life. Woo! Amen? Well, good stuff. Anyway, praise the Lord. But I, that isn't why I was talking about them, but it was, I thought I'd share that because I brought it up. Praise the Lord. Anyway. Matthew chapter 7, look what Jesus says. Now, now watch this. I highlighted in blue. Ask and what? Okay, just say those three words. Ask and what? Ask and what? It will be. All right? Now, is there any room for debate in there? Ask and it will be given to you. Okay? Seek and what? You what? You will. Everybody say, you will. You will. Fine. Knock and, what are those next three words? It will be given to you, open to you. For everyone who asks what? He who seeks what? And to him who knocks, it will be? Amen. And James said this, now why? You ask and do not receive because you what? Ask a man. Oh, we're asking wrong. Or in other words, and so when we're saying, Lord, teach us to pray. So if we're praying and we're not seeing the answers, then maybe there's something. There's nothing wrong with God. The word of God and, 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 and prayer, there's nothing wrong with prayer. There's nothing wrong with anything. If, if prayer isn't working the way Jesus declares it would work, then that's that place where there's something in me that needs to get out of me. And most of it is, is religion and tradition. Are you with me? All right. So we've been going through the Lord's Prayer and looking at part of this, and we've seen that Jesus declared that if we ask the Father in secret, He will reward us. So isn't that what He said in Matthew 6? The Father who sees in secret will reward you what? Openly, okay? So that's a promise. And He gave us the pattern for prayer that when followed, offered the promise of provision, protection, and deliverance. So what we saw, and we finished up here last week, that first it is your name, and then your kingdom, and then your will. When we set that in order, that has to be the order. I have to be recognized. I have to be under His name. I have to be desirous for His kingdom, not mine. <coughs> Jesus in the garden prayed, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. We pray like this. When God shows us what his will is, thy kingdom come, your will be done. He shows us his will. We say, Father, well, I know that's your will, but, you know, I'd, I'd be more than happy to serve you on another day in another place at another time. I know, I know your will is right here doing this right now, but I'd be more than happy to do something for you on another day at another place at another time. So we're always negotiating with God against his will. But if we ever come back to your name, Father. 
It is your kingdom, not mine. And it is your will that needs to be done, not mine. And we get that there. Then it brings us to that next place that we have in our life. Then we see give us, forgive us, and lead us not into temptation. Amen? All right. And so it is our Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because the will of God is the glory of heaven. Doing his will is the blessing of heaven upon our life. For us to be blessed, we have to be acknowledged that he is our Father. And we are his children. How many know kids don't get to be the dad? You understand? Listen, listen to who he has said. He is our father. And, and if this, if we ever start thinking of God as a father in a father-child relationship, it helps us a whole lot with our obedience. I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but, but, but Paul said this, that Paul's exhortation when he's right, husbands love your wife, wives, you know, obey your husband and all that. And then he said what? Children, what? Obey what? Your parents in the Lord, for this is right, and it is the first commandment with what? Okay, so now, so our natural children are being told, children, obey your parents in the Lord, but now you are a child of God. So how much more are we to obey our heavenly parent? Our Heavenly Father, and when we obey Him as our Father and do what He tells us to do. See, I grew up in the age that if your parent told you to do something, it wasn't a time for negotiation. And if you tried to negotiate, you usually lost the negotiation. Because they told you, you know, like, take the trash out. Or, you know, like, maybe next Tuesday. Okay, maybe next Tuesday you'll be able to walk again. <laughs> you know, the welts will be gone, whatever. No, not really. But, but it, it wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't up for debate. It wasn't an option. Are you with me? So, so in that realm of authority. And with God, for whatever reason, because we don't see God in the right respect, we think that it's negotiable with Him. But the answer to prayer comes. Jesus said, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Isn't it amazing that the first thing Jesus did is set the order of heaven over our life? He set the authority of heaven over our life. And, and when we come under the fatherhood of God, then look at the provision that flowed to it. So because the will of God is the glory of heaven, doing His will is the blessing of heaven on our life. As His will is done through our life, the kingdom of heaven comes into our life. How many know heaven's kingdom is greater than any kingdom you want? That's what I found out all these years. All this stuff. I, my life has been so amazing watching what God has done because the kingdom of heaven is greater than anything I've ever desired. Whenever faith has accepted the Father's love, obedience accepts the Father's will. We surrender to and we pray for a life of heaven-like obedience. That's what reveals childlike prayer. So here I put it in. If our natural children are, a, are, are to obey us in the Lord, how much more are we as God's children to obey our Heavenly Father? And it is the first commandment with promise. 
In this prayer of the Lord's Prayer, we, we saw that divine perfection. We closed with this last week. Three is the number of divine perfection. His name is Father. His kingdom is revealed through His Son. And His will is revealed through the Holy Spirit in our life. And that brings us, when, when we get in line with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then we have confidence that our need for bread, for provision is always going to be there. Our debt of sin and our forgiveness is there. And then our response is to forgive others others amen we see that divine perfection working in our life and then the results are that we are now delivered from temptation and the influence of the evil one and victorious living with our father is the reality of our life glory to god that's awesome so watch this and then Jesus goes on. By the time you get to chapter 7, he finishes chapter 6. And then in chapter 7, he makes this declaration as we read it. Ask, seek, and knock. And what does that mean? Now we can ask in the assurance of receiving what we ask for. People say, well, how do I know my prayers are going to be answered? Look at what Jesus said. That we could ask, seek, and knock with assurance. Amen. Knowing that will be answered. In this one instance, Jesus uses words that mean almost the exact same thing to reinforce the promise in a very distinct manner. Look at you shall receive, you shall find, it shall be open to you. He that asks receives, he that seeks finds, he that knocks has it open for him. Amen. Now think about it. That's a, he, he says it one time. He said, ask, seek, and knock. And then he says it another time. So it's a six-fold reiteration of one promise, that God delights in answering our prayers. And if we go, wait a minute, he really wants to. I don't have, did, what, how'd you like that part? That was so good what Donnie shared Sunday morning about, because we get the wrong idea of God, that God is this judge and Jesus just keeps inter, intervening for us. That if it wasn't for Jesus stepping in, that God would have wiped us out by now. I bet. If we didn't have the older brother stepping in and sticking up for it before the father, the, the father would have beat us to death by now. And so we just have a, that weird sadistic, masochistic, whatever it is, mentality towards God, that God's this weird, brutal, heavenly being that's just waiting for the, the right reason to rub us out. That isn't who he is, amen? He's a good father. Hallelujah. So think about it. See, this six-fold repetition of assurance, he wants to impress deep within our mind this one truth, that we can have the utmost confidence and expect an answer to our prayer. Now watch this. Why did he use these words? Because asking refers to the gifts and the provisions that we need. Brings us back to give us this day our daily. So when you ask the Father to make provision in your life, remember Jesus said, go back to Matthew 6, and he says, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live. Your father knows that you have all, need of all these things before you ask. So asking is where we bring in the request for our needs. Seeking refers to the desire to go after God and finding him. Knocking refers to our admission and our right to dwell with him and with him. To dwell in him and with him. 
So watch this. Asking for and receiving the gift leads us to seek and find the giver. See, we ask and, and we receive from God and then go, wow, he provides. I, I just want to seek the one who's provided. I want to seek this giver out. And then you find out that, that he wants us to find him. Then we knock for the open entrance to abide in his home and in his love. Think about it. Jesus repeats this truth because he knows our hearts and how doubt and distress are so natural to us. We are such a cynical people and a doubtful people. Think about it. Even in Jesus, everybody doubted. Is God good? Who says whatever? How can we trust God? How we believe God? How do we know? How do we know? We just question everything. And that we're easily inclined to rest in prayer as a religious work without an answer. Think about everybody you know that says they pray, but they really aren't real confident in getting answers. But they pray because we're willing to rest in the work of prayer as fulfilling our religious duty, but without ever receiving an answer. Wow. And we're comforted by the fact that we prayed. Why? How come? Because our thoughts towards God have been shaped by religion and tradition and not truth. Listen, we are no different. Man hasn't changed. I'll tell you right now, if Jesus walked the earth today, he could go into churches and people would want to kill him after his sermon. They'd want to run because he would turn their tradition. We have entrenched ourselves in tradition. Listen to what Jesus said. You, it, 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 the, the truth is still, through tradition, we make the word of God ineffective. You have made the word of God of no effect. And so Jesus comes and he's saying, hey, he's going, this stuff's supposed to work. <laughs> See this woman bent over? She's been coming to church for 18 years. She should be healed by now. It was her right. She's a daughter of Ab she is a daughter of Abraham. It is her covenant right. It's in it's her provision to be healed, not to be bound. The devil has bound her. She has a right to be free. You understand that? It's like this. When Lot was captured and Abraham went after him, God delivered the oppressor into the hands of Abraham because Lot is relative to Abraham and Abraham has covenant with God. And so when the enemy comes and takes and oppresses, God brings deliverance. That's part of the promise. We're in covenant. We're joint heirs with Abraham. Glory to God. And Jesus has come trying to set the record straight. So Jesus declared he was the way, the truth, and the life in coming to the Father. We have to remain honest and teachable in our own heart. The proof of prayer is in the answer. Like I shared last week about Pastor Glenn, he said this, the proof of worship is not when we feel God, but when he feels us. I love that statement. Think about it. Amen. So the proof of prayer is not when we say things, but when we get an answer. We have to avoid weakening. Get this. Underline this. Hold on to it. We have to avoid weakening the word with our human wisdom and reasoning. We just make the word weak because we reason it out of power. Don't do that. We must accept and hold on to his word in the fullness of the unconditional terms in which he spoke. 
Look back at the cover of your outline. Look at that verse again. Everyone who asks what? Come on, this is an unconditional assurance. Everyone. Is anybody in here an everyone? We'll go, well, why? See, why is the question of the ages? It really is. Why did the child die early? Why did this person, this happen? Why did that happen? Why did this happen? Why does this happen? Why? And so why will always be brought up to challenge the unconditional promise of God's word? Doing all right? And why? Because it always comes, okay, if we tell you why, then what are you going to do? Amen. My mindset has always been this. I don't have to ask you why. I'm just going to keep believing God. I don't have the answer. You don't get the answer to why. You just get to believe. God never explains himself. He doesn't explain what's going on. He doesn't have to. He's God. Okay, let's go back to the Father. My kids ask me, well, I don't understand why I have to do that. It's not your job to understand. It's your, it's your job to do what I told you to do. That's it. Well, why do we have to? Why do we, have, we, start, we start at such an early age. Questioning authority, doubting, speaking again. I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I, you don't understand because you're short and stupid still. Understanding comes with age and maturity. I'm doing all right? Not just with language. <laughs> all right. You have some worship music ready? Give me some music ready. All right. So what am I saying? We have to remain honest and teachable in our own hearts. Remain honest and teachable. Guys... Be teachable in your prayer life. Get hungry. Say, God, I want to pray and I want to believe. Watch this. How many ever heard of John G. Lake? Heard John G. Lake? Great healing evangelist. John G. Lake, there was an outbreak of malaria in Africa. And they said, um, well, you can't go in there. You'll, you'll get malaria. John G. Lake said, no, I won't. He said, do that. So they, 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 they did a, a they, he said, take some of my blood and put it under a microscope and then put some infecting blood on my blood. And they watched under the microscope and his blood attacked the blood that had malaria in it. And it killed it. They watched it under a microscope. In Seattle, when he came back from being a missionary in Seattle, he, he, uh, in Africa, he went to Seattle and he opened... Uh, the, the healing rooms in, in Spokane and, and he opened the healing rooms in Spokane and in the years that he was there they had over 100,000 documented miraculous healings and people would come to go to school there to learn how to pray for the sick and so they would teach you about prayer and faith and then the way you graduated from school is they gave you somebody with a terminal disease. They gave you somebody with stage four cancer. They gave you somebody who was terminally ill, who had been sent home to die, like on hospice. And that was your final exam.
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Miracles happen. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, it, it's good to go places. Another thing to believe right where you're at, too. Amen. Because it's not just there. It's supposed to be here, too. It's supposed to be everywhere. But the problem is that we hear that and go, well, oh, man, how I wish that. And see, see, right away, watch this. This is what I'm saying. Lord, teach. Because right away we hear that and we start thinking of disclaimers why that wouldn't happen for us. Immediately we go into disclaimer mode. Instead of going into, wait a minute, I want to see that mode. There ha things begin to happen when you shift gears and say, God, I want that in my life. I, I want to see that in my life. Uh, that, that's what I hunger for. And then you begin to press into that level. And, but it goes, it costs more than casual Christianity. It, it costs more than Sunday morning and Tuesday night attendance. It costs more than that. You understand that? It costs a lot to, to get in and pressing in that. But that's what's available Okay, that's what's available, and 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 that the John G. Lake story is just one instance of that. So look it, we have to hold on to His word in the fullness of the unconditional terms in which He spoke. Why? Because either He lied or I'm wrong. Because if we don't believe in the unconditional promise of everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, it is open. We either believe that unconditionally or he lied. You get that. If it's not true, then he lied. And if he didn't lie, I'm wrong. And so the word's not going to change, but the word will change me. Amen? And it'll help me. And so if our prayers have failed, it's not an inconsistency in Christ or His Word, nor an unwillingness on behalf of the Father to give us the kingdom. It's much easier for our flesh to submit to unanswered prayer than it is to be searched and purified by the Holy Spirit until we learn to pray the prayer of faith. The last scripture I put on was this. In the prayer of faith, look at James said, if anybody's sick, let them call for the elders. Let them anoint them with oil and pray. Now, what, look at what James says. And the prayer of faith, look what James says, will save the sick. Amen? The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. So tonight as we close, we're going to pray. Let's do so in the assurance that Jesus has given to us, that his word and his promise. We're going to ask and receive our need we're going to seek and find the father we're going to knock and walk through the open door of his abiding presence eli go ahead and put some music on for us let's just stand for a few moments here tonight come on let's just stand and enter into his presence stand and worship just for a few moments tonight come on we want to end just praying just pressing into his presence See, I, I, I want to back it up just a little bit. I, I want you just to begin knocking.
because the invitation is to come into his presence. And when you get in the presence of God, all those doubts, all the fears begin to move away. Father, we just come tonight. We come to enter into your presence. We come to accept your invitation, Father, into the secret place of fellowship and worship with you. Father, we love you. We love you, Father. Our heart, our desire is to see your kingdom. We declare you are our Father. You are our Father. We are your children tonight, Father. We love you. We worship you. Father, we thank you. We yield our lives to see your kingdom come. We lay down our thoughts, our plans, our desires that we might embrace your kingdom. We say, Father, let your will be done in our lives. Let your will be done in our lives. Come on, will you just begin to worship him just to enter in? Come on, desire that he would feel your presence. Not that you feel Him, but that the Father right now would feel your presence.